Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We have Kristen Duke here who is on a mission to mend the relationships between parents and teenagers through connection and preserving the relationship long term. You guys got to check this person out. She's really bringing the heat and changing the game on how we learn to communicate and deal with our teenagers, which is so important. And there's so many myths about teenagers and all the misconceptions about teenagers, but what they want is connection. What they want is honesty. What they want is realness. What they want is to be treated like an adult. And that's what we talked about in this episode. Let's get right into it. Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We have Kristen Duke here, who is a specialist and expert in teenagers and adolescents. There's really no difference, but it's just a fun, different term, right? But in the end, it's really important because as a therapist who works with so many parents and teenagers, I love talking with other therapists and specialists who deal in that world to get advice for myself as a therapist and for people who are also going through it because, you know, there are a lot of myths expectations, misunderstandings when it comes to teens. And we're going to talk all about that. But Kristen, can you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Yes. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. And I love what you said. I love talking to other people who have a passion for teenagers because I feel like we put our heads together. We have conversations. We can all learn so much from each other. And it just makes me happy to be here. So thanks for having me. And yeah, I love to talk about teens. I think you know, I think teens get a bad rap. I think a lot of parents are terrified of raising teenagers when they have younger kids and when they're in the middle of it because they had that preconceived notion that it's scary and something to be fearful about. It often is harder. And I think if we can go in, if parents can go in with a little bit more of a positive attitude of cheering them on, being their cheerleader and doing all those good things, then I think it can go a little bit more smoothly. And so I do like to do, I've done a ton of research on connecting and preserving the relationship. And I love talking about different hot topics with parents and sharing, hearing, hearing them share their perspectives and stories. And I just think as a community, we can all uh, just learn so much from each other. So I'm grateful to be here and to learn from you as well. I love that because, you know, when I was in grad school and I was, you know, trying to figure out what niche or niche, I still don't know what to say the difference between niche or niche, but they're both good, (laughs) right? My area of expertise or focus while I was in grad school and social work school, then to get my LCSW, um, I always wanted to work with teens and young adults. And everyone looked at me like, something wrong with you? You want to work with teens? Are you sick? Are you crazy? And and I look at them, I'm like, no, I love teens. I think they're they're amazing. Um, so what was your viewpoint when you were getting into this world uh, of of mental health, why you wanted to work with teens? What was that drive to get you into this, you know, you know, kind of um, population? Right. So I am a mom of teenagers right now. And I have a graduated teenager. I've got a 20 year old and an 18 year old. So they've graduated. They've, you know, moved out of the house. And I remember about three or four years ago, I kind of started talking about parenting in general. And I had started a podcast about parenting and just talking about, you know, how families were raised and just getting ideas from people. And um, I've always had a passion for teenagers. And I remember one time, one of my kids came home from school and, you know, there was the stress, there's, there's kind of the stress of school shootings that generally is underlying in some parents and probably some teens minds. And, um, I remember talking about it with one of my sons and he was probably 15 at the time. 
And he was so frustrated because he said, if the teachers didn't treat us like we were idiots, then maybe teenagers wouldn't be so stressed out all the time. And I kind of had this epiphany. And I think in general, I, I, I don't want to give teachers a bad rap, but I do think high school teachers, because I've worked a lot with teenagers in a school setting as well. I think they kind of have this idea that all teens are going to be quote troublemakers. Yeah. And even those that aren't like, I feel like my kids were really good kids, even those that aren't they're perceiving or assuming that they're going to be a troublemakers. And so they kind of treat them all accordingly. Yeah. And so he had this idea and it was this epiphany for me of, can't we change the perspective and attitudes and how we treat our teenagers instead of having this preconceived notion that they're going to be troublemakers? Let's assume the best of them and maybe they can rise to the occasion. But if we're assuming the worst of them, that's how it's going to play out. So I was just like, I need to educate the world on, I mean, I just felt this extreme passion of (laughs) as adults, we need to do better. We can do better. And I just decided that's my passion and I'm going to change the world by helping adults have a, a better perspective of teenager. That, that's amazing because I think there is this preconceived notion. I remember when my daughter was born, she's now two. And uh, the first thing I got was, Oh, they're great when they're little, wait till they become a teenager. Yeah. And, and I couldn't stand when people yeah. told me that. Cause I was like, there are going to be struggles. It's going to be rough. It's going to be ups and downs, but that is what parenting is in general whether they're a teenager or not, but I'm going to be connected and parenting them the best way I possibly can, no matter what title age they are. And, you know, the struggle I have as a therapist when I work with teens is not the teens, it's the parents. Yes, it's a problem. <laughs> I love, I love, I love these kind of collaborations because you're like hundred percent. I know what you're talking about. What are some of the pitfalls that parents make when it comes to teenagers, parenting teenagers, that kind of world? Well, besides assuming that they're going to be troublemakers and crazy and difficult, um, I think, I think, so, well, it is true. The teen years are challenging, right? You know, there's kind of, they, they get nicknamed like with angst or, you know, hormonal or whatever, which I think are derogatory terms that we should try and eliminate from our vocabulary. And also, by the way, it's a huge fallback to give an excuse for their actions. Like, oh, it's the hormones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They have hormones. And as adults, we have hormones too. We all have hormones. Yeah. So, and they're going from this stage, this fragile stage of childhood and trying to, you know, morph into a, an adult. And I call them pre-adults because they are, they're of this mindset, you know, they are of this mindset that, you know, I am an adult and I can do these things and I can make decisions for myself. And yes, you can, but you know, we've still got hindsight we've got perspective and, you know, it's true. Adults know a few more things, but I think one of the things that I really try and educate parents on is talking about preserving the relationship and thinking about, um, so let's just say they're slamming a door. They're mad about something and they're slamming a door or they're rolling their eyes at you, which drives parents crazy. It, it, it's not a good feeling as a parent, you know, who's experienced a frustration on the part of the teens. And I think just trying to not take things personally to like, put yourself in the frame of mind of, they're in this very difficult transitional time of life. They're trying to figure things out. They're going to be annoyed. I get annoyed all the time. I slam a door at my house as a 40 something year old because I'm mad about something, you know, like we all have the right to be frustrated. And, and I think it's like, Oh, they need to be respectful or they, and it's true. And we can teach them to be respectful, but I think 
we can also give them more grace and just say, I'm sorry that you've had a frustrating day. But I think the challenge is that parents take it personally and it's hard not to take it personally. But I think if, if they can kind of say, I'm not going to take them personally, I'm going to respond in such a way that I'm, I can say, I don't appreciate that. Or we don't do that in our home or like, but keeping calm and keeping the emotions at bay, I think is, is something that, I wish all parents could kind of go into the teen years thinking I'm going to be the mature one. They are a growing teenager. I am going to be mature. Even when they're immature, I'm going to control myself and my response because I can't control them. And a lot of parents like to take away phones or restrictions and blah, 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 blah. What can I do to punish them for rolling their eyes at me or whatever? When in reality, what can we do to ask questions? I love the phrase, be curious and not furious. I think furious is kind of the initial response of they, they should not be doing that. They should not be responding this way. And instead of being here, instead be curious and say, Hey, I'd like to hear more about, about why you're so frustrated. Or I understand that this is frustrating. Help me to better understand what you would like to do about it or, or, you know, different options or whatever. And it's hard to do, but I think if we can go into before we have, those situations go into them thinking, this is how I'm going to respond pre-parent, pre-plan to respond in such a way that is not going to exacerbate the situation, but thinking about preserving your relationship. Like we can still have a good relationship even when you're annoyed with life. I love that. Cause I, and I think that there are so many um, uh, times and moments where I love that furious versus curious. Uh, I got to come up with some taglines. I need some cool taglines <laughs> for my, for my. Somebody p- shared that with me years ago and I've shared it quite a bit. Cause it's, memorable. I love that. I love that. No, I need to have come with cool taglines when I go on an interview. It's like, it's this versus that. No, but curious versus furious is so important because I think our gut reaction is, is we take it personally and then we react in a very angry, frustrated way as parents, because we have these expectations or perceptions of how we want our household to run, blah, 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 X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. But in reality, if we just took a step back, took a deep breath and asked them, connected with them, talked to them, I think one of the biggest things that I've seen is in my in my therapy practice or working with teens over the years, whether it was actually a ther- therapist or working for a youth organization, it was just treating them like adults. And yeah. I remember one uh, uh, the past couple of times, actually, recently, the past two years, I've been getting a few teenagers who are like, are you going to treat me like a kid? That was the first thing they said to me in a therapy session. Are you going to give me worksheets like you give to babies? Like, are you going to talk to me like a child? I'm like, no, I wasn't planning on to. He's like, good, because everyone talks to me like I'm an idiot. And everyone talks to me like I'm a child, but I'm not. I'm smart. I I can think for myself. I don't know all the answers, but I can think for myself. And it kind of made me step back a little bit and understand over the years of working with this, with teenagers and, and that world is that they are smart. They are very aware. They know what they're doing. They might not know why sometimes they might need a little more coaxing or conversations or giving them maybe the words or understanding of what is going on, but they know exactly how they're feeling if given the space to express it in a way that they would like or feel comfortable to. And for all the parents who are listening and say, you know, oh, I do that for my kid and they still don't talk. They still don't do this. They still don't do that. What are some healthy ways? What are some ways you can help or give insight to parents who are trying so hard to connect with their teens and haven't maybe hit that yet or haven't gotten to that place? And they do provide a place. They do provide a safe communication area 
How do you kind of give tips for connecting with that teenager who wants to be connected, but maybe is kind of like in that limbo stage of not knowing how yet? What, what kind of advice can you give to some parents? Right. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge is that I think some parents think I am connecting or I am doing all of the things. And I think it's difficult because ideally those parents, we would put a hidden camera up in the, in the home. And then just like, I don't know if years ago, there was the nanny 911 or something where the nanny watches them. They're like, okay, this is what you did. Yeah. I would love to personally, because until you really have an in-depth conversation with someone, which maybe you do in therapy sessions more, um, and to find out exactly what's going on, you can't really tell them what they could do differently. Hmm. So I, I, I did put together a course where I kind of broke down connection and what that means. And I, and I called it unconditional connection because I think a lot of parents are like, I do show unconditional love. And like they say it, but I think their actions might show otherwise, such as when they slam a door, you know, the way they respond is conditional. A lot of times the way they respond is, you know, if you're going to slam the door, then, you know, of course they still love them. And parents know that, but teens see punishments and restrictions for doing kind of seemingly insignificant things like slamming a door as you know, they're, they're treating them differently. And so I think, um, you know, a a one-on-one connection is really important and I think it can be, so my oldest child is not a big talker. He's in fact, I remember him quoting as a teenager, he said, I hate talking. (laughs) And I remember thinking, what? How can somebody hate talking? Because I love talking. I could talk and talk and talk and talk for hours. And so I really had a hard time understanding that. And I would ask him questions after school. Hey, how was school? What did you do? And I'm blah, 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 and ask him all these questions because I was trying to connect. I was trying to be this good parent of tell me all of the things, but he hated it. And so that wasn't connecting for him. I needed to, you know, going back to the love languages, there's the love languages for teens and there's, you know, the questions and figuring out that was not his love language. That was mine, but I needed to really figure out, okay, he doesn't like talking. He's annoyed with me talking. This is not connecting with him. This is disconnecting us more because I would get frustrated and then he would feel bad because he knew that he wasn't meeting my expectations. And so it was getting to this point of you got to figure something else out. And so he loved gaming and he, you know, played this game. I hate everything to do with video games. I have no interest. I don't want to sit down and play video games, but I remember I had this epiphany one time of just ask him about his video game. And so I did. And he lit up. He loved talking about his video game. And though it wasn't anything I was super interested in, I found that we were connecting because he was sharing something that he loved with me. I was getting curious. I was asking questions. Oh, tell me about this guy. I watched over his shoulder. Oh, what are you, what are you doing this? What are you trying to do in the game? And he explained it to me and he loved that. And I found, oh, okay. So I'm connecting with him in a way that works for him, not what works for me. And so that was something that was just a huge epiphany for me. And even just I remember thinking family movie nights, that's not connecting. You're not talking. You're sitting there staring at a TV. And my tune changed after a while because I thought, no, we're sitting together on the couch as a family doing the same thing. It's fine that we're not talking. We're connecting by just sitting here. So I've shared a lot of ideas over the years of, you know, stuff like family hikes, how it's really great and getting outdoors and walking and exercise. And you can talk at the same time and how you can connect you know, the silent conversation, the silent connection, which can be something like a movie or just writing in the car, listening to music together. Um, I think it really is finding out for each child what it is that they love and tapping into that. 
whether you're asking about it or having them teach you how to do it is a great way to connect. And I think you made a massive, amazing point and not just about what you should do, but the idea behind it is not about you. Yeah. It's not about the parent. You know, if you played basketball in high school, it does not mean your kid needs to play basketball in high school or whatever thing or expectation you have for your child to connect with because you liked it does not mean it will work for your child. And I talk about this family very often when I deal or talk with parents or therapists or on the podcast or in real life about, not that this isn't real life, but about uh, this idea of a family that I know where I grew up, where the parents had special date nights with each child. I think they had four boys um, and the mother and father both had separate date nights. I think it was once a quarter, once every, every three months, whatever the rotation was, however they could to have that special thing that the kid would pick. So if right. one kid liked golfing, the father and this father and that son, not all the sons would go golfing together. Yeah. Tennis, whether it was art, pottery, whatever the little thing was that these, these each of individuals child wanted to do. And they also did family things. And yes, it is hard to juggle everything. It's, it's not easy. We're not saying that you need to be perfect as parents to think of every perfect um, opportunity but it is creating a space for that once in a while to connect with the kid. And that creates a level of, of connection, trust and and respect for you as a parent. And it's not, that really is what parenting is all about. Yeah. And it's not about that, that big talk or that moment of, of how you um, maybe punish or educate, but more about that connection, love and that vibe that you are creating amongst the home and amongst the family, I think is so important. Right. And when you, when you are connected, they're more open to what you have to say. They're more open to suggestions or they're more open to, Hey, let's talk about this dangerous thing that I don't want you to do. And I love that you said that I am not super organized enough. And I do love the one-on-ones like I mentioned. Um, And I think it can be as simple as, Hey, let's go to Sonic and get a drink or let's go to McDonald's and get an ice cream. So simple. It can be 10 minutes. It doesn't, it doesn't even have to be a two to three hour event. I think those are great. And I it's think- all how you brand it. So yeah. let's say I have to go to the supermarket. Yeah. Let's say I have to, yeah. You got to go shopping yeah. and you yeah. bring one child and you go, Hey, let's have a date night. Just you and yeah. you and daddy, you, or you and mommy. That don't normally buy. Exactly. You pick out one of your favorite foods that we don't normally get. Let's go together. I really need your help. I would love for you to come with me instead of like saying you have to, you must, if they don't, that's okay as well, but create it and brand it in a way that's about the connection, about the date night, and because uh, then you can kill two birds with one stone as a parent. The question I have, which you talked about before, what is that line between education and punishment or or overreacting or underreacting to something that a kid might do, a teenager might do? When do you know? How do you then talk to them? Like slamming a door is not a big deal. Rolling eyes are not a big deal. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's annoying to experience. But where is that line where it is important to speak up? It is important versus the times where it's not. And how do you figure that out or balance that? It's a very difficult balance. I will say I've talked to a lot of parents over the years. I am not, my husband and I are a little bit differently. He's, he's more of, I remember years ago, something happened and he's like, no TV for a week. And I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, because I'm going to have to reinforce that. I was the stay at home mom. He was at work. And I was like, I'm sorry, but the punishment does not fit the crime. And so I've heard a lot about that too. Like, I think teenagers 
just like adults love their phones. They're connected to their friends through their phones. They're connected to whatever gaming they're connected to school. So many things for the phone. So every parent is like, take away the phone, take away the phone, take away the phone. And that kind of drives me crazy because I think it just is exhibiting power unnecessarily over them. And I think I've heard, okay, if they do something inappropriate on the phone, then maybe take away the phone, you know, try and find a way. But if they're not doing their dishes, the dishes or whatever, I don't, I don't see that as a reason to take away the phone. Um, and I know a lot of people say, take it away for long periods of time. So they'll really get the idea. And, and I'm just, I've never been one that's into punishments and, and I don't know. So my example is probably not the best, but generally speaking, I think when you're going to put a punishment, um, give them, give them some grace period, like three strikes, you're out kind of thing of saying, you know, this is how we're going to operate. If, but you know, I'm going to give you some grace. I'm going to allow room for mistakes and, um, and then, and have the punishment fit the crime. If they don't do a job, give them two extra jobs. I don't think that's a reason to, you know, take away the phone. Um, and, and also I think it depends on each kid. Sure. Right. There's so for one, if only so many variables and it's very complex and layered to figure out exactly what each kid needs. But I, I think that we are so easily flustered and jump to the extreme when we don't like something as our, as a parent. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, like okay, phone gone. So many parents are just exerting that power that they have. And that creates a, a huge space between you and your child. Yeah. And, and I know this might sound fluffy or like new style parenting or modern parenting of, but the whole point of parenting is to teach them what it means to be an adult. And it's also teaching them responsibility. And you don't want to create a space in your home that is power hungry and, and, uh, and this, this destructive, intense power struggle that creates usually the arguments and tension between adolescents, teenagers, and their parents. Yeah. It's when they view it as you have the power and I have nothing. Now, it doesn't mean that they are now going to pay bills and work for a job to make it equal. What I'm saying is bring them into the conversation, discuss with them, talk with them, sit with them, and have a real discussion about why something might not be right or why it's not okay. For sure. So much more is accomplished with this calm conversation of, listen, I want to take away your phone. If I was so-and-so down the street, I would take away your phone. However, I would like you to understand this. You know, I think explaining... And just saying why in our family, you know, if you don't do the dishes, then it just creates a mess. And just, I, I really do. I often will say, I want to do this as like an extreme punishment. I've seen other parents doing this. However, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make up for it or do an extra job instead of extreme X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. And I think talking through really helps them to realize, okay, my parents are, are full of grace and my parents are trying to help me learn from my mistakes. And, um, and we, I, I think it goes a long way. Yeah. Cause really as parents, we're trying to educate and, and raise our children to be good valued people in society. Yeah, That's what we're trying to do. It's just the daily struggle, the stressors, the, the buttons that get pushed throughout the day kind of take away the purity of what parenting is all about. Like right. I love my daughter to the end of the world. And I would, I will say this and you can quote me on it. I will kill people for this child. I would probably not in the end because I would get arrested and go to jail. Like I would, I would end someone if they hurt my child, I would, I would get very frustrated. I would step in, I would do something, but it, she's two. Like, what is she really doing? Like nothing. She's fighting me on getting changed. 
you know, she doesn't want it like this morning. She didn't want me to change her diaper and she was screaming and kicking. And I had to like talk to her and hold her legs down because she had a dirty diaper. Yeah. Right. That doesn't work for teens. You're not going to hold down your child, yeah. you know, and, and put clothes on them to get dressed to school. But they also have to understand that there are repercussions to their actions, yeah. how we create that environment, what repercussions we do can create their thought process of being responsible and being an adult or being a pre-adult. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if it's all about the power, it's all about, well, my parents have the power. It's all about the power, the power, the power. They're going to push back and rebel against the power because no one wants to be held down by power. We don't even like that as adults when government and, and, and politicians have too much power. It scares us when someone does wields a certain amount of power, even our bosses, even a friend who is quote unquote cool or too powerful in the community. Sure. It's frustrating. Yeah. So just think from that perspective, and I know this is a lot easier said than done, of course, in the moment, but I think one of the biggest things is reach out to someone, talk to a therapist, talk to a specialist like Kristen to be able to learn because the more you learn in practical tools specifically to that child, to this time in your life, it's really important to learn because it's never too late. It really isn't. I agree. I say that all the time. It's never never too late. There might be some growing pains. Yep. But I think, I think your teens will really appreciate saying, Hey, I recognize I've done this in the past. I'm trying to change. I'm not perfect. Will you please forgive me? I'm a big fan of parents asking for forgiveness of their teenagers. I think it shows them so much that we are humble, that we are teachable, that we are willing to learn and that we want to help them. And I think it softens their hearts quite a bit to, to want to hear what we have to say. And that we're human. We're human. Yeah. And what are some things that parents shouldn't let slide? Like when, when you talked about the idea of, you know, like slamming doors, rolling eyes, those yeah. simple things that all teenagers do at one point in their life, I do it also. And I'm 30, sure. right? Like I roll my eyes and I, and I, at my wife or at my parents or whatever or something, cause it happens. It's a natural reaction of like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. doesn't mean you should now leave me as your, your husband or, or right. not talk to me as a parent, but what are some like no-nos that parents really need to figure out and put their foot down to educate and maybe a healthier punishment that is a teachable lesson and not about putting power and, and making them feel good about themselves as parents that they taught someone a lesson. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a good question. And I think the top of my mind is drugs, you know, things that are unsafe for them, whether it's um, drugs or unsafe sex or driving, um, some of those things that they don't fully understand, like you said, the repercussions of what happens can happen short-term and or long-term. I think to me, those are some of the big ones where, um, I don't know. I mean, teenagers like to experiment. They like to try new things. And, and I think helping them really understand first with that talk, you know, conversation and then saying, listen, um, I really want you to, I really want this to sink in and then, you know, attacking in that way. And that's something that I personally didn't have to deal with, with my kids. So I never got, I never had something where it, it was one of those, but I think those are kind of the big three that I would think the safety with driving. Yeah, of course. Now I know my teens would come home and they'd say, we're good drivers, but our friends are driving pretty recklessly. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Okay. What, what can I say except for, don't ride with them or speak up yeah. when they're saying something. Um, but that's not even something that's even punishable because they don't have con- 
control in that sense when they're in the car. But yeah, there's just dangerous things that can harm their bodies that I think are the big things. Um, and talk and to them, sit yeah. down and talk to them. And you don't have to make a big deal. Like when a parent says, you know, we're going to talk later. That just creates stress, you know, even in a relationship or dating when like the significant other or the other person relationship goes, we need to talk. It, it Usually it doesn't end well or isn't a good opportunity for, mm-hmm. you know, it puts you on edge to begin with. So create an atmosphere where you're like, hey, I just want to chat with you for a second about something you said later. Just come with it with calm and peace and not yeah. attacking and talking at. When we talk at to teens, they shut down and they shut up. They do right. not yeah. listen. And going back to that curious thing, asking them questions, like, how do you feel, you know, how would you feel if you were driving and somebody, you know, this happened, or how would you feel if, you know, or how would you feel if you had lost all control of your senses and, mm-hmm. you know, drunk, you know, going back to the drunk driving or something like that and helping them to come up with their own ideas, yeah. you know, mentioned in the spouse relationship, everyone wants to come up with their own ideas. They don't want to be told yeah. what to do. So ask the questions, being curious that will help guide them to come up with their own answers. And I think the important theme that's coming through this whole conversation, the idea of connecting and preserving the relationship to not explode in a way that hurts the future of the relationship because you're bonded for life. Whether you like it or not, I literally just spoke to someone recently, uh, a couple I'm working with that's going through a divorce. And I said, whether you like it or not, your relationship is bonded through this child. Yeah. You're now together forever through blood. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a magical thing. It's a wonderful thing when it all works out and it can be really frustrating when you're connected to people that you don't want to be connected to. So why create that atmosphere? Why have that happen? And it's not always your fault. I'm not putting blame. It's not always so simple. Then just don't do it. But there are ways that you as a parent can talk and deal with your children that creates an atmosphere for future, for future connection, for future relationship. And sometimes funny enough, whether the relationship is, is, a lot of argument or frustration when they're teenagers, sometimes when they're twenties and thirties, when they're married or have kids, they go, wow, you tried your best. Parenting is hard. And that's like a very weird moment to have as a parent. But Kristen, for you, the question I have is, is for parents who are struggling and going through that, that that time period of this back and forth, how do you break that cycle? How do you break that cycle that you might already be in of this power struggle of parent versus teenager? Because it is a relationship. And yes, relationships usually don't have this extreme power of older versus younger. I raised you, I birthed you, I pay for all these things, which is what is a lot of thought process behind a lot of the frustration. How do you kind of break out of that cycle? Um, I think, I think a parent has to make the decision that they want a better relationship first. And I really do believe in the sit down and say, Hey, I recognize I've done some things the wrong way. I would like to improve. Will you forgive me? Will you allow me to approve? Can we, can we start over? You know, just say, um, I've been doing some reflecting and what, what I've been doing hasn't, hasn't voted well for our relationship and I want to do better. So will you help me? And I think being open to their suggestions as painful as that may be saying, will you help me? And I've said this to my kids before, um, you know, having, it's kind of like having the swear jar, you know, let's just say mom's trying to stop swearing every time she says a swear word you put a quarter in the jar and then Mm -hmm. when the jar is full, we all go get a treat. I think that can go a similar conversation of, will you just stop me? And and you have to be as a parent humble enough and you have to want that relationship enough that you're willing to, when your kid says, you told me that you wanted to do better and you're not doing better. And and what, when is a line that someone can, a teenager can use that against you? 
How do you create that balance where it doesn't get taken advantage of? Right. Right. It's very easy. So that trust, that trust to go through that and, and it has to be done in a smart way, right? You're not giving them free range to decide on what you're paying for and what you're buying and that they should be involved in that because that's also a slippery slope because they don't understand the budget and how much money you make and all that kind of stuff. When it comes to the relationship, how they would like to be spoken to, how they would like to be dealt with, what kind of vibe or things they want to do in the home. Those are things. This is not an opportunity to say, well, I want 15 Xboxes and PS sevens, whatever the thing is. And if you don't do that, then I'm going to throw a tantrum every day. Like that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a real way. Something like what have I said in the past that has frustrated you? Or, you know, help me. It's more about emotions and responses to things. It's not about, you know, what can I buy for you or whatever, but it's more about, I want to treat you like an adult. I know you're almost an adult. However, it's hard. It's hard for me. So will you help me basically help me help you? <laughs> you know what? I love that. What's that movie? What's that movie? I don't know if I can remember. What I can't remember. I'm not, I don't know lines like that, but I think it's really important to kind of uh, and it's a work in progress. And where is, where is the line of, of the, some parents being afraid of being weak by admitting and how much do you disclose maybe from your past or what you're struggling with? Because it also isn't the burden on your children to know that you're going through a rough time either. So how do you balance that? Of maybe I made mistakes in the past kind of conversation of disclosing as a parent. And also I'm struggling right now. And this is why I'm behaving this way. Right. I mean, I think it's helpful for kids to know your own personal struggles too. I know a lot of parents are like, Oh, I want, you know, on one hand we want to bird, we want to uh, uh, protect them from a financial burden or protect them from something else. But I really like to include our kids in family decision-making. You know, we just moved, we bought a house. It's been stressful. We had a hard time selling our house last summer. And on one hand, there was a little concern of my kids being overly concerned that they shouldn't be as teenagers where you know, they don't need to take our burdens on us. But at the same time, I want them to know when I'm having a rough day so that they know, like, mom's not feeling good. I've got a migraine. I've got a headache, you know, letting them know this isn't an excuse, but I'm having a hard day. And I think, I think kids can rise to, I do believe they'll rise to the occasion and recognize, oh, okay, mom and dad aren't perfect. Life isn't perfect for them. I just don't believe in shielding them. I, you know, this is a, a little bit of a different topic, but I remember a friend of mine saying she and her husband went to therapy. They were having some marital challenges and um, the, the, the therapist asked about their growing up years and their parents. And the husband said, my parents had a perfect marriage. So, you know, I don't know what's wrong here. And the therapist like, let me stop you. They didn't, nobody has a perfect marriage, but it kind of went to the fact of they, they hid their challenges yeah. or they hid frustrations. And I believe I want my kids to know I'm frustrated with your dad or I disagree with your dad. And I think, I think there is a way to share. Yeah. Dad and I disagree on things. And I think there's a way to share challenges without overly sharing. And, you know, with most things, it is a balance, but helping them to realize real life around them, that your parents aren't perfect. We're still learning and figuring things out. And, um, help me along the way as I'm figuring out how to parent a teenager. I heard a while back that the hardest day for kids is learning when their parents aren't superheroes, right? When it, but that's because we create this atmosphere that parents are superheroes, that they are perfect, that they are this being of success or, or having them stuff together. And the day that you finally look back and go, wow, they didn't have their stuff together can be very crushing when that's the atmosphere that's created that we got this. 
Now it doesn't mean that you now need to be going to your kids and going, well, mommy and daddy just had a massive argument and we're thinking about getting divorced or, or every conversation you have with your, with your partner or spouse gets divulged to your kids. No, it means that you don't hide the honesty and the realness because whether you want to believe it or not, and I love what the therapist did to that couple because it's important. Um, whether, whether you believe it or not, kids are aware. They know, they understand, they pick up on body language. They see if you're not doing well. They understand if there's an argument. It, and we, we try so hard to put on a good face and protect our kids when in reality, they're very aware. And if they just were let in just a little bit, can help them give context to what's going on and maybe not just the general vibe of sense of the tension in the household can really create an understanding and a respect. And that's the biggest thing. I think when we come into teens and we come into parenting teens with this, they don't deserve my, my they don't deserve my respect. They need to earn my respect or all those very intense, aggressive thought process about how we parent teenagers. They're going to be bad. They're going to be negative. Oh my gosh. They're going to be so sassy and all this kind of negative words. It doesn't mean they're not, but if you're coming from that perspective already before anything has happened, of course, you're going to react a certain way. So it is about coming from love, unconditional love, understanding, perspective, and remembering that you are the mature adult and you are the parent and you have to behave that way. If you want your kids to act appropriately and give you the respect that you deserve as well as a parent and they deserve when it comes to growing up. So how can people find you? Where can they get in touch with you? And what are some, maybe one or two lasting things you want people to take away from this episode? Well, I'm on Instagram. I always just say, you can just Google Kristen Duke and you'll find me all over the place. I've been a blogger for 10 years and I've kind of changed from here to there, but Kristen Duke chats is my main Instagram account where I discuss parenting hot topics and, and all the good goodness about connection and preserving the relationship. And really that is one of my passions that in closing is how, um, is, is to think about how you want to preserve the relationship. I've talked about how preserving, I've broken down the words like a life preserver. You know, you think about, of course you would throw out a life preserver and save your child if they were, they're drowning. And, you know, why not just offer out that life preserver before they're even in the deep waters and, you know, work with them within that space of preserving that relationship. Um, so I think about that a lot. And then I think about also like strawberry jam, you know, we all love jam and we want, we, we love strawberries and we want to preserve it. And the, the, pre, the preservation process is, it is a process of taking strawberries to the, the shelf where you can enjoy it later on. You think about strawberry jam, you want to enjoy it years to come. And there's a way to preserve the strawberry so that you can enjoy it for years to come. And so I just, I think I love the visual of the sweetness of the fruit of the strawberries that we want to have a relationship. We want to enjoy it now and we want to preserve it for long-term. And so that's something that I really like the visual that I've tried to share with my audience is what can we do to preserve that relationship? And a lot of it has to do with us. And a lot of it has to do with how we respond, how we connect and um, it takes work and it takes intentional work, but, but it's, it's doable. I think we yeah. just, just like with any habit, we write it down somewhere. We put a post-it note somewhere about our intentions, about what we want to do differently on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. I love that. And you know, when I think of jam, I'm, I'm a raspberry, strawberry, blueberry, I'm like a, a berry jam kind of guy. Yeah. And it takes care, time and some pressure to, yeah. to have good jam. You know, so I love that kind of thought process. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on this week's episode. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. I'm delighted that I could be here. 
Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. And it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week, even twice a week, to this show all about mental health, relationships, and wellness topics. And really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what makes this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week. And see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast, as we've got more guests and more great content coming your way.